Welcome to another episode of Angry Girl Music of the Indie Rock Persuasion. I'm your host, Amanda Starling, here to talk to you about all things intersectional feminism, DIY, and of course the music. Hope you all have been doing well. It's been a busy time for me getting the website ready for a grand debut. I'm hoping to have it launched here by the end of the week for you all to be able to check out. I'm really excited to expand our platform from just the podcast to being a site where I can share more resources, ideas, promote all the people who've been on the podcast, who are friends of the podcast, and some opportunities for our independent music community. So it's a special week, and I'm really grateful for all the support you've all been giving me. So can't wait to see where this goes next. Um, This week, I have a special guest, the wonderful Alex Palermo. Alex is the bassist from Typesetter, which is an incredible punk band out of Chicago that has been pushing to play with more and more unique sounds. Alex and I have talked a lot about our love of bass, how Typesetter has shaped their sounds on new songs, Nothing Blues, and so much more. So let's listen to some more of the incredible Typesetter and then dig into this interview. When you heard your voice on the answer machine Filled with tape and hiss and without body music of the indie rock persuasion how are things in chicago uh everything's good we just got home from a three-week west coast tour um some of the dates were with our friends tiny sills um they're a really cool band and yeah we're just kind of hosting up for a couple months and getting everything back together (laughs) putting ourselves back together 
There you go. Nice little recharge after a really awesome tour. It looks like you went all up and down the West Coast and stuff, a little bit of uh, just the West in general, too. Uh, had you played out there before? Yeah, we've done a few tours out West. Um, one of my favorite ones that we did is we did a Warriors Camp Cope tour out there. Oh, nice. Um, which are like two of my favorite bands, two of my favorite groups of people. They're just all super genuine and awesome and um, have such great messages in their music and such a pleasure to like work with them and tour with them. Um, awesome. Yeah, that was like one of my most noteworthy ones. We did it with uh, Red City Radio too. Um, and we did one with Spanish Love Songs. And so I guess this was like our fourth or fifth time out there. Oh, even better. So you know that route pretty well now at this point. Oh yeah, it's great. Like. So many friends live out there now because they just get so jaded from the Chicago weather, <laughs> East Coast weather, whatever. So like everyone like moves out there. So there's always buds around and like, you know, the legal states, as we call them, are always fun. Um, <laughs> going to dispensaries and silly stuff like that. But uh, yeah, we love it out there. Oh, that's so cool. Well, I love hearing that. Well, I'm so excited to be able to talk to you about everything that you do in music. Um, I, I love Typesetter. I've been fortunate to see you play, I think, at least once or twice at Fest. So, loved your sets. Thanks for watching us. Absolutely. I was hanging yeah. out over in, um, gosh, why am I forgetting the name of the venue right now? The one you were in last year. The uh, um, the Wooly. Yes, it was the Wooly. How, did, how could I forget the Wooly? Um, I loved your set at the Wooly. I was hanging out there, and I saw that you were up next. I'm like, hell yeah, I want to finally see Typesetter. And it was just amazing. Yeah, that was a cool showcase last year. There's a lot of friends and just awesome bands that I look up to in general on the on the lineup. It was just unfortunate too. It's always like weird at best when you play at like 9 p.m. on the Sunday night because everybody's just like super done, you know. Sure. So nervous, but it was a, it was a fun show regardless. You know, it's still a good crowd and stuff, so it felt really good. And thank you for being there, of course. Absolutely. I love the energy. It was, I feel like it kind of matched the sound that you have now as a band because it was like reasonably chill, but people could still get really into it too. It was perfect for, especially that Sunday night. I feel like your tone was just excellent. Oh, thank you. Yeah. I think we're nowadays we're trying to shoot for being crazy loud, but still be able to dance to the music kind of deal. So I'm, I'm happy to hear that. Definitely. Well, one of the things I always like to talk to my guests about is kind of your beginnings in music. How did you kind of find your way into listening to the music that you love and um, maybe eventually even playing too? Well, for me personally, I, at a very young age, I was lucky enough to have two older brothers um, that got into punk rock really young. So like, I remember being like, in like third grade, like earliest memories of my brother, like, you know, kind of privately handing off CDs to me without our parents' knowledge or whatever. <laughs> um, you know, explicit content, you know, punk rock albums. And um, I, I, I remember he just gave me like Hot Water Music, Alkaline Trio, um, I don't know, AFI, plus all these like street punk bands and stuff that I definitely don't want to do anymore. But, um, but like, yeah, and he started handing me off those CDs and I just immediately like fell in love with not only the music, but the culture behind it, like how cool it was to just be like whoever you are, like the whole be a weirdo. It doesn't matter. You know, like this is like the misfit crew kind of thing. So I immediately kind of found a home in punk rock in that sense, you know, and I just started bands in high school and like everyone else, I guess. And then uh, eventually like found a really good core group of friends that I knew that I was probably gonna make music with hopefully for the rest of my life, um, so far for quite a while. So it just kind of happened that way. And like, instead of going to college, I, which my parents don't agree with, I, <laughs> I, instead of going to college, I, I just moved in with my oldest brother and started or joined, joined his current band at the time. And, um, he took me on tour. And so, yeah, I've been touring since like 2007 now. So yeah. A long time, I guess, <laughs> in various bands. That's so awesome. And that speaks so much to how much you love music in that sense, to be doing it for that long. What are some things that you learned in the beginning, um, learning to play music, and also um, as you began to go on tour that you kind of still use now? I mean, I think, I think not much has, like, changed. I think that, like, 
you you learn everything the hard way in the music world usually unless you catch a super lucky break you know sure and like as far as like learning how to play music i I was just self-taught i kind of just joined bands where people already kind of knew what they were doing and they would kind of just tell me what to do and then i would slowly took that and kind of made it my own and then like i don't know for our band for typesetter and for a lot of bands i've been in i've kind of taken the like manager role of of everything Mm -hmm. But that's like, I just kind of fell ass backwards into that. Like, just like I said, learning things the hard way and kind of um, just constantly being like, all right, so I knew, I know this much about this thing. And then I'm just going to keep doing that. And if it fails, then I'm going to try it a new way. And just like, I don't know, I've, a lot of like younger people in the music world have asked me like for advice on how to like book shows or manage bands or go on tour in general. And I'm honestly like, here's a few things you can try, but like from my understanding, like since I've started doing this, it's just changed so much. You know, like we went from a world of vinyl to cassettes to CDs, like music extremely expensive to music being totally free and from musicians getting paid to barely getting paid to mm-hmm. kind of going back into the middle of that. So it's, I don't know, it's been a wild ride and it's, there's always just a learning, it's always a learning experience. You know, I, I never feel like, the champion of, of knowledge. <laughs> um, and I don't think most people do, you know, I think even a lot of other people are still kind of just winging it. You know? That's very reassuring for somebody who would be starting out in music. And it sounds like if anything, you just need to be able to adapt in that sense. Oh, without a doubt. And it's all about adapting. And like, sometimes that's, that's challenging in anything in life, really, you know, it's like, just being like, Oh, it was always like this. And now, now it's kind of not like that and just kind of finding finding a way to navigate the world without screwing up too much or, or getting too bummed out, you know, about something maybe not working out. Absolutely. That makes complete sense. And you kind of have to have that attitude toward anything, like you said. Um, so at what point did you start off initially playing bass or were you playing other instruments too? So I I started off wanting to play guitar i feel like most people you know they're just like i'll just play guitar everybody plays guitar you know sure but like i very quickly kind of realized it wasn't for me which bummed me out because i was like well what else am i going to do like i don't think i'm a drummer and it's really expensive to play drums Mm -hmm. and i didn't have a lot of money it was like just really conflicted. And so I actually kind of accidentally started playing bass. I was like bummed about not really being able to be in a band because I couldn't find my place in a band. And um, these two kids in middle school were like, hey, we're playing, um, it's actually kind of funny. They were like uh, <laughs> trying to cover um, Brain Stew by Green Day. Oh my gosh. Uh, at the talent show in <laughs> seventh grade, I think. It was either seventh or eighth grade. Um, and I mean, most people know that that's like, one of the easiest songs in the world to learn how to play yeah. <laughs> on every instrument for the song. Uh, <laughs> so basically these like two dudes just like told me like, all you gotta do is like hit these like, you know, a few notes or whatever. And, and just, you don't even gotta sing or anything. Just go up there and do it. Um, so I bought a bass for the occasion and learned the song. And they were kind of just like, Hey, you should learn a couple more green day songs and a couple more, you know, Alpine trio or whatever, you know, like all these like, punk bands that we grew up listening to and then it just kind of became a thing where I was like maybe I should learn a song that's a little harder than the last one and next thing you know I was like well I guess I'm a bassist and I've I've done other things in bands like some light keyboard stuff some guitar stuff um there's even bands I was in where I just sang but at at the end of the day I'm I'm pretty much just a bassist I think that's what I'm most comfortable doing at least (laughs) I love that though, because that's something I'm trying to teach myself how to learn some bass this year. So it's really cool to hear that excitement. Yeah, Yet, I see your bass back there. <laughs> yeah, uh, I need to pull it out and practice more. That's for sure. But that's so cool that you have this like attachment and love for playing bass and such. Um, what I know that you mentioned that it was a little bit easier for you to kind of pick up and stuff. But what do you love most about playing it? I mean, yeah, it, it was easiest, I think, and. And that's why people kind of laugh at bassists because they're just like, it's the easiest thing to do. So, <laughs> but uh, I don't know. Like I, my earliest influences that really got me into it and still influence me to this day is like 
fans like Rancid, like Matt Freeman and Rancid and like Hunter from AFI and um, I don't know, even like we were listening to a lot of The Clash on this tour and like, or we do in general, but especially on this tour and like, it's like, man, he didn't even know how to play bass. They hired him because he looked cool and they, <laughs> they like basically taught him how to play bass and some of the bass lines in The Clash songs are like, my favorite bass lines I've ever heard because they're just so like, they remind me of like what I, how I write because it's like not a classically trained person on the instrument. Sure. So like those bands in particular really like continue to influence me from like day one of holding a guitar in my hand to now and probably forever. Um, and I think that like in that sense, I don't think I'll ever get too far off the path of punk rock <laughs> like, even if we like you know our band has been trying to challenge ourselves to to be as like different as possible but like at the at the root of it all I think we have we're gonna have that kind of influence no matter what because that's just kind of where we came from you know yeah that's really important and like I love that you brought up the clash because like those are some really iconic bass lines there and such and I feel like it's it would get somebody motivated and excited to learn how to play in that sense just because it's like it's really just well written Bass, even yeah. though and, it, and the simplicity of it as well as the just the way it builds and stuff is just perfect for just getting that kind of energy out and I don't know I think the bass is sometimes the heart of punk because that's kind of the driving line in a lot of really great punk songs absolutely I think I think like a lot of people will write a song on a guitar um and a, and a drummer will you know write a part to that guitar part but like at the end of the day, like a bass line can really shift a song. Um, and you see silly articles where it's like, without bass, bands are nothing or whatever. Or I've seen <laughs> like that. And it's, that's a little laughable to me because it's like, okay, whatever. But like, I don't know. I think, I, you know, there is like a, a backbone to it. I think the rhythm section in general is a little like underrated in a lot of bands. Like, I don't know. Like, again, back to The Clash, like uh, we were listening to a Clash podcast on tour and they're basically like, talking about how like they could just like, they just kicked out their drummer and then like they realized they were nothing without their drummer. Mm -hmm. And it's like, with that being said, like the rhythm section can be so underrated sometimes. But Definitely. I feel like in our band, it's, it's never felt that way. You know, we've, we we're really good at like um, working together and like making sure everyone puts something into the song and vibes with each other without like overstepping too much, you know? Definitely. And I feel that a lot, particularly with your new record and such. Um, how did, how would you describe the sound that Typesetter has right now? Oh man, it's so, it's, it's crazy. Cause I, we've been asked this a bunch in interviews and it's a, and it's a really good question because it's so, it's so hard. Yeah. Uh, we, <laughs> we've been kind of jokingly, but kind of seriously saying like, like if someone's never heard our band before, we're just like, Imagine if like the national covered against me or against me covered the national. <laughs> you know, like, uh, I love it. Cause those are like two of our, you know, pretty big influences. And like one being like a band that we grew up listening to that we've seen basically since the year they started to a band that um, we just grew up to love and watch mature, like, like the national. Um, so like, yeah, I, I guess that's like how I try to put it in a nutshell now. Uh, like I said, it's it's kind of a joke, but it's, I'm kind of serious. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think we're just constantly trying to like challenge what we do, you know, like mm -hmm. on this last record, we had a bunch of horns and keyboards, um, which just added a completely new layer and new dynamic to the band. And like, we hope to do the same on the next one, you know. Um, we've been like, uh, trying to do three guitars on every tour um, just to have that extra layer. Uh, we've had three vocals, but we'd love to even have four. Um, we've performed as a six piece on a tour not too long ago, which was pretty crazy. People are like laughing. They're like, what are you, a ska band? <laughs> uh, but yeah, like, I don't know. We've just been trying to like, I don't know, con like mix it up and just challenge ourselves because we started off as this like, very midwestern sounding punk band that was pretty like relatively straightforward but like now we're just like constant like let's let's find new sounds you know let's put more more instruments on stage let's let's play with more people let's 
explore more like producer ideas when it comes to recording and 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 play with more diverse bands in sound and and in, as in the individuals so yeah just like trying to push ourselves you know Definitely. And it seems like you really have, because I did go back and listen to some of the earlier music from like 2013 and such, and you've really developed this robust, diverse sound because as much as I love the the early punk stuff, it's always fun to me to listen to that. There's something really special about Nothing Blues and what you've put in. Um, Was it just that curiosity to explore new sounds that you had when you were writing Nothing Blues at that point? Yeah, I think like we just, we, we had a lot of time in between records. Mm-hmm. Um, we went through like a, a few changes and, and have again since honestly. Um, like we we switched drummers right before Nothing Blues. We added a fifth member um, for the, for that like uh, recording session and, and a few of the tours around it. Um, and yeah, it's just we kind of went in being like we we wrote twenty songs, which is crazy. But wow. we had, like I said, we had a lot of time to do it. Um, and you know songs would get scrapped and then reinvented and just constantly like switching back and forth between like does this song stay does this song not or how do we change it and then yeah we ended up recording 20 of them and only putting half of those on the record um but they were all just like okay how can we like put a million tracks on a record or on a song rather without it's sounding ridiculous, like just sounding cool, you know, and like pull from, you know, these bands that have been like influences from these bands that we've been listening to lately, like uh, bands like Always, Hop Along and um, Broken Social Scene, stuff like that, um, where they, they create these huge sounds, but it doesn't, it doesn't feel overwhelming, you know. Um, and basically the rec- that record ended up being like, like I said, record 20 songs and then just pick the 10 best songs that sound great together that are the strongest contenders and, and put them out, you know? So that's just kind of how nothing blues worked out. That's so awesome. How long did it take for you to record the, the 20? Uh, So we hilariously, you know, like most bands on, on a smaller level, um, hammered out almost all of the instruments, like the bulk of the instruments, like bass, drums, guitar, guitar, um, in five days nice so, which is like a ridiculously small amount of time yeah to record efficiently and and make it sound nice um but we did it and we hammered that out for in five days with our friend jeff dean um and mark from our band also helping record and then we basically spent i don't know six to twelve months kind of just like recording like mark is a, like a recording or a sound engineer and he's also really good at recording so we um we like spent a bunch of time like in our studio and in our apartments and stuff just like recording vocals and keyboards and all the like auxiliary type stuff mm-hmm. um, on our own and then so like eventually it like didn't happen overnight like there was like the five days of recording and then like basically like a year later the record was done and at the very end we were like calling a couple of our friends to do like guest appearances because we were like okay it's finally there like we had um benny from restorations do some organ on the on the record and nice. we had my friend Lydia loveless do um some backup vocals on on the single technicolor so that was cool yeah those vocals were amazing just added an extra bit of dimension to the song and i could tell that there was so much care put in throughout the record when you added things like the keys and the horns throughout it was just really special and it's great that you took the time to make sure you had it exactly as you liked yeah definitely i think that like with the last record wild's end we like we we recorded it the same way but like we just spent a bunch of time doing vocals post studio recording and this time we definitely like sat down and we're like all right let's get like everything out like tambourines you know egg shakers different keyboard sounds, call, call our random talented friends and, and have them lay something down if they can or have the time or whatever. Um, so yeah, that was like the whole, the whole idea. And we want to even do it even bigger next time, to be honest. Like I've already been kind of talking to people about like friends that know, like even, even if they knew how to do it in elementary school, I'm like, do you play cello? Like you should play cello on a song on our next record. Or like, do you play violin? Like, let's do it. You know, um, just to like challenge the sound, you know, like we've, 
we love all those like weirdo bands that are constantly like they could totally tour as an 18 piece band if they wanted to like you know <laughs> or something you know like those records sound so huge but like i said they're still just like pop songs you know definitely typesetter will become like the traveling mini orchestra i love it we seriously like we wish <laughs> we talk about it all the time and people laugh at, at at the fact all the time but we're like no seriously like we would <laughs> so. i love that so much yeah. um with all the things that you did on all of these songs, do you have a favorite one on the record that just you're really attached to? Oh, it's so tough because like I said, we like narrowed it down on a 20. So like we really ended up putting our 10 favorite songs that we've written in the last three or four years mm-hmm. on the record. Um, so I guess I had to put them in like categories in a way, you know, I yeah. think that like, I think that um, like white noise and, and Technicolor and um, I don't know. I think those songs in particular and Viva are like the songs I like the most because they're like, we, you can tell we really challenge ourselves on it. Like mm-hmm. Technicolor is a guest vocal where we literally just told Lydia, like do whatever the hell you want. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it turned out perfect, like straight out the gate. It just felt right. And then like that same song has two different drum tracks so if you listen closely, there's like, there's like a studio sounding like clean drum track. And then there's like a roomy sounding kind of more distant drum track. And it just sounds crazy. Like once, once you know that that's there, it sounds super cool. So like in that way, and, and also there's horns and stuff on that song. Yeah. Um, and same with Viva. And then like White Noise is kind of like our, a song that almost didn't make the record and the label was kind of like, are you sure you don't want to put that song on the record? And then we all listen back on it for the first time in a while. And we're like, wow, that song's awesome. Why wouldn't we put that on record? <laughs> Love it. Just, like outside perspectives sometimes just helps, you know? But Definitely. Um, yeah, so like, I would say those are like, I love those songs because they, I feel like we challenge ourselves the most on them. But like the opening track, Monogamy One, um, and Marigold, the second to last song. And, and honestly, most of the other ones, like I love them too, because they're like, we, we took these, songs that could have just very been like very much so just punk mm-hmm. and like kind of unpunk them a little bit you know like they still qualify as punk rock songs and a lot of people call them that but like i don't know if you listen closely there's just so much more going on in my opinion so like i don't know i i like i guess i'm just trying to say i'm really proud of the record and um i i like them all i like all the songs but for different reasons you know absolutely well every song i feel like just hits you so heavy because but whether you're talking about the music itself and everything that you've layered in there or just the messaging itself, I love that so much of it is like pushing back as well as self-acceptance is just a really beautiful theme that I kind of got throughout the entire record. And I feel like that's just something really powerful that you're putting out there to so many people. Um, what's the reception been like? Uh, how are people kind of receiving and uh, responding to the record, especially since you've been on tour a few times since it's been out? It's been good, um, which I'm really happy to say because I feel like when we put out our last record, it was um, it wasn't like bad reception, you know. But I felt like a lot of the reviews and stuff of not that I should be reading the reviews or comments all the time, <laughs> but I'm pretty guilty of that. Um, like our first record was pretty much like a lot of people being like, "This band sounds really cool," but I I'm more curious about like what they're gonna do next, kind of thing. Mm-hmm which is like sort of a backhanded compliment in a way, but it's like, you know, it is what it is. We were a young band at the time still. Um, but like with this one, I feel like a lot of people were like, wow, this is definitely like a really cool step in the, in the right direction or whatever. And like, and, and I honestly don't like, I think we're like stepping into ourselves and really finding our sound, but I don't think that we're the kind of band that's ever going to like put out the same record twice. Yeah. But like I hope that, you know, people seemingly liking this record and, and re- giving pretty positive reviews means that it's only going to get better from, from here, you know? Um, but it's, but it's been good so far, you know, like as far as I can tell, it's, it's, it's always hard to tell, you know, like numbers and comment threads and whatever reviews like can always be a mixed bag, but you know, it seems like it's been going pretty smoothly so far. Well, that's awesome to hear. Yeah, because it's like the internet can be a weird place when it comes to just like 
understanding people's perceptions of music and stuff. So it's nice that you are getting a really positive response. Everything I've seen has been glowing of y'all and the, just the places that are highlighting you like stereo gum and Brooklyn vegan and everything. That's really special to see that kind of growth happening for a band like yours. Cause you're just so tight and it feels like, yeah, everybody is a hundred percent on board and excited for what you've created. Yeah. I feel, it feels good. You know, we're just like, trying to work as hard as we can and keep pushing as much as we can. And so when there's any positive feedback, it's like, Oh, thank God. Yeah. <laughs> for, for all of the like hours and years or whatever of work, sometimes you, you only get a little bit back, but it's like that little bit counts every time, you know? So. Definitely. Everybody felt it. I think, and you've had so many cool tour opportunities coming up and stuff that you've experienced. And like, I mean, I think about when you went on tour with like against me and speedy Ortiz, wow, that was a lineup. I wish that had come to Florida because holy shit, that was awesome. And you've been playing with so many great bands. I mean, you mentioned camp Cope earlier. Yeah. So many others. I mean, some of them of course are friends and all, but uh, how does it feel to kind of have these like tours pick y'all up and you get to have these experiences it feels really good especially because it's not like constantly just like the run-of-the-mill uh like all all white dude bands like wanting yeah. to like work with us. and and for so for me personally and i know my band also really appreciates it it's it means a lot you know it's like i like that speedy ortiz against me tour was amazing like yeah they like every day there's like posters all over the venue that says like if you feel endangered at all at this venue or like someone's saying something weird to you or, or touch you inappropriately or whatever like here's a phone number to call and i have like the tour manager of against me's tour uh like personal phone number was like on like on these sheets of paper posts everywhere which is which, which is crazy but it's like so awesome and like every every like every day there was at least one gender neutral restroom mm -hmm. and just like i don't know that and the whole tour package everyone's just super friendly and like stoked to be around each other and i don't know i like being on those kind of tours because just you're immediately more comfortable if you're not you know if, if you are a minority of some sort you know it, it's great and so with that it's like that's that's amazing to get these kind of tours but we're also just grateful to play in front of their crowds too you know play in front of open-minded people too because that that's also included in the crowd so it's it's definitely more comfortable and awesome and the more it happens the more excited i get to keep going on tour you know Absolutely, because you're getting these opportunities to like play with like-minded people as well as to like-minded people. And it's got to be just so motivating to just be surrounded by people like against me who have, as you mentioned earlier, that, you know, those are kind of the bands that influenced and inspired you in some ways. And, you know, you're able to kind of get ideas, I'm sure, from playing with all these other different diverse bands too. Yeah, definitely. Like, and I after going on that specific tour, I was like, like, like I said, I kind of do a lot of like the manager role of, with our band at the moment. And like, I started being like, well, screw it. Like, why don't, why don't we do the same stuff? Like we're, I know we're a much smaller band and we have much less of a say in a lot of um, situations, but it's like, why not ask? So like, I started like um, contacting promoters and venues and stuff and being like, Hey, if there's any way to like, put a sign over the restrooms that just says these all are gender neutral or whatever. And like, if there's any way to like, you know, make sure that there's more security or whatever, like just doing that whenever I can, especially like in Chicago where it's like, I definitely know um, the promoters or whoever's working at the club. So they're a little bit more like ready to work with whatever we need. Mm -hmm. uh, obviously I can't do that in every town. I can't go to like, you know, middle of Florida or something just to use, use an example and be like, March and be like, we need this, you know, <laughs> people are going to be like, who the hell are you? You know, nah, um, with Florida, I got you covered. I know most of the yeah. <laughs> DIY bookers and stuff. So they'll, they'll hook you up whenever you're ready to do more touring down here. <laughs> I love to hear that. Yeah. It's, and it's, and that's been more and more of a thing too. It's where it's like regions where I'm like, Oh no, you know, like this might be really uncomfortable for, you know, 
someone like me or like, you know, we've, we've had trans people in our band, mm-hmm. you know, all sorts of people in our band, time identifying people in our band. And it's like, sometimes you get down to like those Southern states or you get in the, or even just in the middle of nowhere, not in the South. And like, you start to get a little like, all right, we all need to like stick together and make sure everything is like chill because you don't like, sometimes you just don't know. And so like having each other's back and making sure the venues are a safe place is a huge priority in our band. Hopefully for other bands too. Definitely. And I think it's special because the community that you have within your band and within your tour, that can spill out into the crowd and the local community in that sense. Because I see what you're doing and it's meaningful in that sense. They're going to work to do the same thing within their space. Yeah. And I think that like the that whole idea is just getting stronger and stronger. Like there's just more and more club or I'm sorry, more and more tours. Um, making sure that like there are people tabling at every venue that for, for whatever cause um, or for whatever safety precaution. Um, and, and I've been seeing even bands that are, that are just all, you know, cis hat white guys or whatever doing it. And I think that's like super awesome and inspiring because that's like, I mean, that that's huge. Cause, cause like a lot of times those kind of bands just don't care and kind of don't have to. Because yeah. it's, like, not my problem, like, out of sight, out of mind kind of thing. Yeah. But like, I, I love it, like, more and more bands are just, like, yeah, like, this, let's grab this by the horns and make sure that, like, everybody that comes into the club tonight is safe and has a good time and gets to enjoy music without all the bullshit, you know? And if there Absolutely. is any bullshit, there's at least, you know, something to grab onto, like, whether it be a friend or a hotline or something. So. Yeah, there's resources and there's people who obviously care enough to do something about it at that point. Yeah, I love it so much, you know. It'd be great Absolutely. if just none of it none of it had to exist, but because it, but if it does, you know, then it, it's great that, that there's a way to like, you know, help anyone that needs help. So Definitely, definitely. Well, you've been all over on tour, it seems like. Do you have a favorite place that you go to? Um, favorite stop or a venue? Oh, well, I, I always love going out West mm-hmm. in the States. Um, California is like, we all like dream about living there, but we're like, will we ever live there? I don't know. Um, <laughs> and the Pacific Northwest is super cool too. Like Portland and Seattle are awesome. Mm-hmm. I, I personally really love Portland. I would live there already if it wasn't so hard to like move a band. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, then there's, like, things like, you know, we play the fest every year, and, like, mm-hmm. it's obviously that makes us love Gainesville just in its own way. Um, I know Gainesville isn't like that year-round, but, like, that there's a special place that are for that particular festival in that city because, it, because of that. Yeah. Um, and then otherwise, I mean, like, I don't know. I don't think I could, like, pinpoint an exact favorite place necessarily, but, I mean, touring Europe is insane. We've only done yeah. it once. We're, we're planning on doing it again really soon but like just going over there is nuts because it's just like the hospitality is like off the wall like you go over there as a tiny band we went over there in 2015 so we were only a band for like two and a half three years at the time mm-hmm. and it's just like you go in the green room and it's like all this vegan food and all this like booze and stuff and you're just like why like I didn't do anything <laughs> you know <laughs> I haven't even played for you yet <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, it's like it's just so funny it's just like a small level musician thing where it's like i didn't do anything except for spend all my time and money trying to make music you know so it's like you don't feel like you deserve it but it's like maybe you do you know like maybe you do deserve some good stuff sometimes right not to sleep should... on a floor and get you know starve <laughs> or whatever <laughs> i've heard nothing but good things about like germany and their hospitality for like touring bands it is insane in germany like a lot of specifically punk at least from my knowledge, um, bands go to Europe and they stay in Germany for like, I think our tour did like 10 or 12 Germany shows. Wow. Yeah. Like we just played like everywhere in Germany basically. And every show is just like people being stoked. And like I said, like the rider being fully fulfilled and, and you know, nice place to stay, whether it's a hotel or a lot of those clubs have, um, you know, apartments like upstairs or, or in the back or something. And 
yeah, it's just, it's, it's wild over there. Like they, they just love music and they want to buy all the merch and, um, yeah, like our driver was German and he's still a really good friend of mine. I love him to death. Oh, shout out to Glenn Gilman. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, uh, it's, it's awesome over there. I, I guess that kind of answered my question or I, yeah, in a backwards way. Like, I guess Germany is my favorite place to play. <laughs> <laughs> You'll have to go back and see them then. <laughs> yeah, definitely. We're, we're talking about doing something in uh, October, so. Oh, awesome. Well, that's so good to hear. Yeah. Definitely. Well, um, I, I love hearing that so much because I always like hearing whenever bands get to have really positive experiences when they're on the road and such. Um, what's somewhere that you want to play that you haven't done yet? Oh, uh, well, we... I don't know. I don't even know why I'm like itching to do this, but we only, we played one show in Mexico and it like barely counts. It was Tijuana. Yeah. But it was super cool. And like, you just really feel like you, you drive like 10 minutes over the border and you're like, wow, I'm like touring in a totally foreign place. <laughs> but like in a, in a really cool way, you know? Yeah. It was like super receptive and nice. And it's just like, a, a totally new experience and I don't know I've had, I have a handful of friends that have toured like down into Mexico and have done like you know a week or two or whatever and they've all said that it's really cool so that's something that like I've been wanting to do I've been trying to push really hard to do Japan and um and Australia Ooh. um and all of those things always seem like an inch away and then like another year passes and you're like oh damn maybe not uh yeah but uh, just because there's a lot of overhead to make it happen. But um, yeah, I mean, I have a ton of friends in Australia at this point. Um, mm-hmm. And I have a good amount of friends that have toured Japan and Mexico. So those are kind of like our like our dreamy goals that I, I, I hope aren't too too far-fetched, you know? But, Definitely. Well, you know, you'll have to write more music and support that. Go on a big tour to see those spots. Exactly. So yeah, we've been already kind of hammering out songs just because the yeah the the new the the latest record like took long enough that like by the time it actually came out, we were already like starting to hammer out new songs. So mm-hmm. we're like, uh, I don't know, eight ish, eight eight to ten songs in. We're probably gonna shoot to do the same thing we did last time. We're just like write 20 songs we probably won't record them all this time because mm-hmm. it eats up a lot of studio time but we'll probably write like 20 songs and then go record like 12 or 15 we're already like halfway there sort of so we'll see that's so awesome i love hearing that and it's always exciting whenever bands are starting to write more music and such i know that i've had a blast listening to nothing blues i can't wait to hear what comes next and how you uh turn punk on its head this time <laughs> Yeah, I, I hope we do. <laughs> we've, we've definitely been like brainstorming, like I said earlier, kind of brainstorming like curveballs, like mm-hmm. kind, of, kind of doing weird stuff. Like, like I really want to, our, our, most of our band really loves the album Ugly Organ by Cursive. Yeah. Um, and like I mentioned before, the Nationals, like one of our favorite like collective bands. Um, but they do a lot of that stuff. It's like weird strings and weird sounds all over the place. And so like, yeah, I really want to make sure that the new record does turn punk on its on its set. <laughs> <laughs> That's so awesome. I like that uh, you pray for that. That's a good way to put it. It's true. Punk needs it. It continues to need it always. <laughs> so um, I always like to ask this question at the end. Maybe you're a little familiar now. Um, as I always like to ask different guests, if you could play with any three artists or bands, they can be currently active or you can bring them back from the dead, who would they be? Well, because I've been listening to your podcast a lot, I kind of braced myself <laughs> for this question. Oh, good. Because <laughs> <laughs> I heard you ask that question a couple of times and I was like, oh man, like, uh, it's like a hundred different bands. Um, but I would say like, if I had to wrap up, not just my opinion, but our whole band's opinion um, into three, I would say, and I feel like a broken record now. Uh, <laughs> The National, we love that band. Uh, the Clash and The Cure. So basically if you put the in front of your name, we want to play a show with you. <laughs> uh, but like, I feel like that kind of wraps up like a lot of various influences and yeah. 
and also like all three of those bands are just epic in completely different ways you know like i feel like the national has just kind of changed the game in like indie rock and the clash obviously changed the game in punk rock and the cure just kind of did every has done and is doing everything just truly kind of challenging um the sound of music so yeah i mean those are probably the top three if i had to like guess what my band would say and selfishly what i would say but like (laughs) there's also like you know bands that still exist and stuff not that those some of those bands don't exist but i don't know like broken social scene and like fucked up and Mm -hmm. those kind of bands that are just like kind of challenging the punk indie rock world um those are bands that we would also just like kill to play shows with um but yeah i think i think that's the best answer i could give (laughs) I love that so much, though, because it's like, I feel like because your band now has this like really diversified sound, you would fit in beautifully with any of those lineups in that sense, because it's just very strong and powerful and you are challenging sounds in the way that so many of the bands that you admire are doing. So it's sick to hear you continue to do that. Yeah, I I would love to like go out with current bands that are that are trying to kind of challenge the sound and that's that's what we've been trying to shoot for the most like even bands like i don't know like um the sidekicks or um wax a band from australia um or a lot of like Conor Oberst bands um projects uh those bands are just like constantly challenging what punk or indie music is and like i don't know those are the band kind of bands that we really want to go out with like we'll go on tour with punk bands or straightforward indie rock bands but like I, I really like the ones that are just like, let's just throw a wrench in it every time and see what happens, kind of challenge challenge the listener and um, as well as yourself, you know, um, make people be like, do I like this record? And make them listen to it three times until they realize like, I do like it because it's super fucking weird. <laughs> yeah, I mean, my favorite records are ones like yours where I can go back and I can hear something different every time or focus on some different aspect of it. Cause it's like, First time for me is always lyrics. Second time I'm picking apart each instrumental part and it's just so much fun and knowing that there's all those layers. It's like it's like digging through a giant box of candy and finding different kinds throughout because I'm just like, ooh, this is great. Ooh, this is great the entire time. So thank you for making ear candy. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, I, I, I personally love doing that kind of thing too when listening to records because it's like sometimes you buy a record on vinyl and it's just like, you hear all this stuff just because it like the vinyl mix is just different. And then like you put your cans in and if you have like nice headphones, you hear something completely different or you listen to it on your laptop computer speakers. And it's like, you hear something completely different because all of the, all of it hits your ears differently. And I think that's what's so cool about recording and mixing and mastering too, is like you listen to a record in a different environments. So it's going to be different. Um, and, and amongst that too, outside of the recording world, like, bands sounding different live or challenging their own songs live which i love about the cure to get back to them they really like i've actually only got to have the pleasure of seeing them once but they like jam on their songs they make their songs like 10 minutes longer than they actually are live and like do all sorts of weird stuff and our band has been trying to do not necessarily 10 minute jam because we might lose everyone's attention but um, (laughs) we've been trying to do like little things where it's like there's a riff in a part where like it wasn't on the recording or like we cut the part of the end of part of a song off and so that it can like blend into the next song flawlessly live or whatever. Um, so like, yeah, I, I love like when bands experiment that way and we've been trying to do that kind of stuff too. Well, I love hearing that and I can't wait to experience you all live again soon. Cause that was just so awesome. Um, well, thanks so much for joining, Alex. It's been so great talking to you. Where can everybody keep up with you and Typesetter online? We got um, typesetterband.com is like our main website. Um, but we're on Facebook. Instagram is typesetter, at typesetterband. Uh, Twitter is at typesetterchi. Um, yeah, those are mostly where we do all of our stuff. And we got handful of tour ideas kind of in the mix right now not a lot of it is announced unfortunately so i can't really plug that but um there's some cool stuff about to get announced and we're we're really excited to like get out there and do our thing again awesome well i love hearing that everybody 
check out Typesetter. Make sure you, you give their record multiple listens because there's something great to be found every time. Thanks so much, Alex. Thank you so much. It was a pleasure. Typesetter. Thank you so much to Alex for joining and sharing what's ahead for one of Chicago's most dynamic bands. I can't wait to see them again this fall at the fest. Big favorites. Be sure to give a listen to Nothing Blues and follow Typesetter. That's it for this week, but you can always keep up with me online. Follow the podcast on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram for regular updates. Subscribe and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Podbean, Stitcher, Overcast, and more. Want to tell me what you think of the podcast? Leave a review on any of the apps. I'd love to hear from you. If you like what you hear and have some spare change, feel free to drop a virtual tip at the Anger Girl Music Coffee page. Any tip money goes toward helping with the expenses for hosting across all your favorite podcast apps, a future website, and other projects for the podcast. I'm always booking guest spots, so hit me up at angergirlmusic at gmail.com. Whether you write and play music, run a blog, take photos, work in publicity, or book shows, this can be a space for you. Send me a link to your work and let's chat. Until next time, stay angry and challenge yourself. You could say it was an accident. You could say it just got out of hand. You could say it's what you really want. Caught in the guilt and the shame again. No parts, they just didn't fit. Well, they might one day, but they have.
them again You can tell them that you're sorry again We could all pretend to forget the fucking be the fucking assholes